in uh, <clears throat> in preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of John, chapter 6, verses 22 to 29. Again, John, chapter 6, verses 22 to 29. Please open your Bible to that portion of Scripture and join me in reading God's Word. Let us all rise in reverence to the Word of God. Verse 22, On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Praise God for the reading of his word. You may now be seated. The title of today's sermon is Work of God, based on John 6, verses 22 to 29. We are continuing our series on, on the gospel according to John. The crowd who experienced the multiplication of the bread and fish pursued Jesus. Let us note that they wanted to make him king. But the Lord withdrew from them, from the crowd, who saw the miracle of feeding, of multiplication of bread and fish. They wanted to make the Lord Jesus king. And that's understandable. Somebody who creates a miracle of food, you want him to be king so that you don't have to buy bread. In, this, in our context, that would be rice, right? Which is getting to be more expensive. Now, the author brought us the reader from the crowd, showing us the crowd and what Jesus did with the crowd. The Lord Jesus had a ministry with the multitude. Yet the author brought us to that experience in the lake where Jesus walked in water. Now, that was a scene with the core disciples. And then the author would bring us back to the crowd, how Jesus would engage the crowd. And remember that the crowd was, well, was seeking Jesus, and that's the first point of the text, crowd seeks Christ. Let's read that again on verses 22 to 24. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples because he walked on water, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Verse 23 Other boats from Tiberias 
came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, teacher, with respect, when did you come here? So the crowd who ate the bread and fish sought Christ, but did not find him or the disciples. Therefore, they got into the boats, went to Capernaum, uh, which shows us that they were persistent. Um, they wanted to make him king, and Jesus withdrew because that was not his purpose on earth. He is already king. Nobody makes him king, by the way. He is already sovereign. His purpose was to sacrifice himself on earth for the sins of men. And yet he is still king, as the disciples would discover. He is indeed king. So when they found Jesus, they called him rabbi. Now, the miracle of feeding, well, free food would want you to be present in any gathering. I'm just being honest with what we feel sometimes. If there's free food, really, I want to be there. Or a friend calls you up, hey, my treat. When you hear that, that's just like, wow, history. Then, because you're ethical, you don't really order the most expensive part of the menu. If you're ethical, <laughs> you'd rather go with what he's ordering and not far from there. Uh, I'm just saying that human nature wants to look for that free food. And... Uh, and in our country, elections are a wonderful time for many of our people because there's a lot of feeding. And it's really, really a miracle, not a real miracle. The miracle is where did they get all the money, right? To feed that many people. That, but that's not a real miracle. I'm just being satirical. But here they saw the miracle, the multiplication. There was not a bakery big enough to feed 5,000 men, plus we don't know how many women and children. In that place, Philip said we, that would be expensive, that would take half a year's wage. Andrew was saying, well, even if we can, we don't have enough food. We only have this little kid's food. And he created that miracle. And that is amazing. You see, when he healed two sick people, and he multiplied, and he, of course, turned water to wine. Uh, people remembered. They recognized who he was. But they never pursued him like this. Not like this. Because they were fed. And later on, they, they will allude to what? The Old Testament. Where for decades, the Israelites were fed manna from heaven. And reading about that on the, from the Old Testament, it's really a wonderful thing to read. And who wouldn't want that? When you wake up, you just collect and you just eat. And God provided for the Israelites. 
Perhaps they were, would be referring to that, and we will see it as we read on. However, even though they approach Jesus as rabbi, as if they want to be his students, as if they want to be his followers, Rabbi, when did you arrive here? But the Lord would reveal their intentions. And I go to the next point, intentions revealed. Verses 26 and 27 states, Jesus answered them, truly, truly. Some translations say, verily, verily. It actually also means, amen, amen. Two times something is repeated, meaning I'm going to say something important. Okay. In how we write today, it's two exclamation points. In journalistic writing, three is the maximum. You go more than that, it doesn't matter. You made your maximum point. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. You're following me right now, not because you understood the science of who I am, but because you got something from it. Then he says, do not work for the food that perishes. Now, he is not categorically saying, do not work to be responsible for your own meal. He's not saying that. He's making a strong contrast between food that is temporal versus food that is eternal. And that's the point. And that's why we have to be careful how the usage of language. So, do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life. So he, he says, you're following me. You're seeking me because you ate the food. But then he suddenly moves to, he segues and says, uh, do not work for that. You're working to pursuing me to get more food, perhaps. Perhaps that's what he's saying. It's not explicitly, but I would imply it from the text. Do not work for the food that perishes. Don't seek me for that, but seek me for eternal life. For the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, which I, the Son of Man, and we explain that the Son of Man here doesn't simply mean the Son of a human being, but the Son of Man found in Daniel, which is the Son of Man, as a title, the Son of Man, meaning he will have dominion over the earth forever and ever. And that is him. It means he's sovereign. That me, a sovereign for eternity, will give you. That's what you should work for. If you work for that, something that's for eternal life, I give it to you. Then he says, for on him, God the Father has set his seal. Now... I was trying to read the Greek text, and I'm finding it hard to, to what does it mean by for on him? Is, is it, would it be those who have the eternal life given by Jesus Christ? Or because the Father has already sealed Christ as one whom he has sent, it is safe to answer both because both are supported all over Scripture. That truly Jesus is the one sent by the Father Yet at the same time, it is the Father who seals those whom the Son gives eternal life. And here we see the working of Father and Son. Here we see the working of 
how John from the prologue, chapter 1, 1 to 18, shows that Jesus and the Father are one. And to a point, several times, he would directly state and infer as well that Jesus is God. Now remember that this food that endures to eternal life can only come from Christ. But the motives were revealed, and it's something for us to understand, that we should see Christ not primarily of the temporal blessings, but primarily for the eternal life. And if you believe you have eternal life in Christ, it's something you treasure, it's something you never get tired of, you never get tired of, Proclaiming the suffering, death, and resurrection of Christ. It's not something, oh, I already know that, so let's stop talking about that. Tell me something new. The whole New Testament revolved around that and its significance. Each writer giving a different angle to the same thing and showing us the beauty of it. And that's what it is. It is a diamond with many facets. But it's a one thing. The gospel is the gospel. And we cannot deviate from that. However, even modern Christianity is not making it about, about the gospel. It's making it about the provisions. The provisions, the material blessings. And it's mainly about that. The prayer requests are mainly about that. Not stuff about eternal life. Not stuff about spiritual things. And that is a sad reality we see. We pursue him first for who he is and the gift that he gives more than the bread, more than the shelter, more than the business blessings or the blessings of promotion from work. More than that, it is him, the son of man. Now, to whom Jesus will give one receives eternal life, and the Father sets his seal on such a person, and the seal is a mark. And later on, we will discover, as we read John, that that is the Holy Spirit, the seal. And the seal says, belong to God. It's like a brand we put on cows. Well, we don't put brands right now on cows. We put something on their ears, right? A tag, yeah, tag. Yeah, so we are more humane with the cows. We give them earrings rather than tattoos, okay? Uh, before, they put tattoos on cow, so they would say, that's mine. If ever the cow wanders around to the next farm, oh, oh that's mine. Now it's tags. But sometimes people remove the ears. Uh, <laughs> But when the Father sets his seal upon you, and you truly believe in him, truly, truly believe in him, and that is the assurance of salvation of eternal life. It is not something we work for. It is not a point system of how many good works you've done. It's not a moralistic message. The moral or the obedient comes as a result of the faith we have. Because we belong, we act in a certain way because we belong to the family, not because you earned it. You earned it. That's why you have the reward of entering heaven. That's not the message. 
That is not the message. It means he didn't have to come. He came to pay for our sins because we could not pay it. We are guilty. Nobody could remove the guilt except they apply divine law as reflected in the Old Testament. The foreshadowing of divine law was there, which is what? Uh, an innocent animal must die. An innocent, not involved in the sin of man, should die for the one who sacrifices it. And they did it year after year after year. But the writer of Hebrews says that in Christ, it's once and for all. We just have to believe in the significance of what he has done. Next point, the work of God. So Jesus talks about food that endures to eternal life. The crowd comes to him and says, Rabbi, oh, you came to me not because you understood the signs. You came to me because you ate. And don't work for that. Don't pursue me because of that. They worked hard at pursuing him, right? They worked hard at pursuing him. Don't work for that. Work for what? What I give. The other thing I give. Not the temporal bread. The other thing. Eternal life. Seek me for eternal life. Then the crowd answered. They still could not understand what it meant, what he meant. Verse 28. They said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? So they're looking for something to do. And that's a big difference with the gospel. The gospel begins with knowing who Jesus is and what he has done. And then he calls us to repentance, a change of mind, a change of perspective. A change of our, our view of sin and the sins we commit, a change of that. And a believing in what he has done. That is the beginning. It is not what must we do so we can have that eternal life. And Jesus gives a very, very clear answer from the question, what must we do to be doing the works of God? They're referring to the previous verse about eternal life. Verse 29, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him. Whom he has sent. When I say believe in him whom he has sent. We're talking about starting from chapter 1. Alright. <laughs> it's not. Oh I believe in Christ. And all you know is a historical thing that you. You learned in a. In, in elementary school. In, or in Sunday school. No. It's actually believing who he is as revealed in scripture. What is the work of God? Is to believe in him. Again, in response, the, the crowd asked what they should do for, to do the works of God. Now, Christ's response, as we observe, well, it was unexpected, really. Because all religions of the world, you have to do something. To reach a certain level. So that you're acceptable. Here it begins with who he is. And in hindsight, what he has done. It begins there. So somebody asked, so is, is salvation... Not about works? Oh, well, it's not so simple to answer that, but the simple answer, yes and no. Yes, it is about the work of Christ, not our work. But if you believe in the work of Christ, 
then the desire to obey Him is produced by the gospel and by the Holy Spirit in our lives. That is produced. Obedience does not save us. Obedience is the result because we truly believe in Him. It's kind of ironic. What's the work? Well, the work is no work. All right? <laughs> the work is actually no work. The work is actually, do you believe? That's the work. Uh, so it's work and no work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To satisfy those who keep looking for work. What must I do? Okay, okay. This is what you must do. Believe. Uh, that's not real work. Yeah, yes and no. That's why John is an expert of the play of words. As we have discussed before, he was satisfying both the Jewish reader and the Greek philosopher. From the start, in the beginning was the word. And some Jewish writing reflected that the word is a person. However, he also used the word logos, which is a very high concept in Greek philosophy. The logos, the word. And here he weaves something here that it is work, but the real work is believing. Now, devotees from different religions would require us to do things. Well, the Bible speaks against sin and we must repent of it. But it's really a list that is so short. Hatred, adultery, gossip, murder. We turn away from such. What about the actions of obedience? Again, obedience is the fruit of truly believing. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Word of God. Three points we see here in the narrative. The crowd seeks Christ. Christ reveals their intention and talks to them about food that is about eternal life. And later on, as we go next week, they will refer to Moses or Christ will refer to that. It's like, what sign do you give us? Oh, brother. Haven't you seen the sign? You're still looking for the sign. No, they were looking for a particular sign. And that is the manna from heaven where they can eat every day. But Jesus says, if you want that, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Application number one, what do we learn from here? We check our motives. The crowd followed because of the temporal blessings which was food, not because they believed in who he is, not because they submit to his sovereignty or his lordship, not because they were so thankful for the salvation that he gives that they followed him, not because of that. They were following because he seems to be the answer to our temporal needs. And we must check our motives. Why are we following Christ? Because did somebody dangle the carrot upon you because everything's going to be all right and all your problems will go away? That's not in Scripture. The problems of your soul will go away in terms of eternity. That is clear promise, but does He promise a trial-free life? Does Christ, does the Word of God promise a problem-free life? No. In fact... We are guaranteed to go through the training that testing of your faith will produce endurance. Wow. I imagine like that, like a warrior being trained. 
So you'll have to fight off these trials one after another after another until you know how to respond to them properly. Until you know you should rest in his sovereignty and his grace. That he is gracious, yet he is sovereign. And he will protect us until the time he calls us. Or until the time he wants us tested. What is our motive? Is it the earthly blessings? Do you come praying intensely when you have an intense need? Or do you also pray intensely for the sake of many who would believe in him? Because you believe in the mission of Christ. The mission he gave us to make disciples of all nations. To proclaim the gospel to every ethne. Our application is we must follow because of who he is. He is the son of God. He is whom the father sent. And he is God. Check our motives. Next, let us believe in Jesus. What is the work of God? It is to believe in the one whom the father sent. There's only one that the father sent for eternal life. He sent the prophets of old, but they could not give eternal life. They can give guidance. They can give prophecy. Men today are sent by God to preach, to teach, but no one gives eternal life. No one except the Son, Jesus Christ. Not any so-called saints, not any so-called great man of God. That's why we do not put men or women in pedestals. Because all of us are wretched sinners saved by grace alone. That's what we are. So who do we believe in? I hope you don't believe in men, but believe in Jesus Christ. Oh, can God use our, fellow, our brothers and sisters? Yes, 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 of course. But not one gives eternal life. We don't have that power. The power is in Christ. And that's why we proclaim the gospel, because the gospel is the power of God to salvation. By believing in Him, we fulfill the work that must be done, for the work is believing in Him. In essence, it's not real work, therefore we believe. Third, explain the gospel. Many believe that they must earn their way to salvation or forgiveness, which is contrary to the gospel. The gospel is clear that it is by believing. It is not obedience, but believing. Again, obedience is a result of truly believing. We must explain the gospel to others. That is our one major application. It must be clarified. Because many would look for food that is temporal. That is why God exists. To meet my needs. Wow. Imagine that. You hear the arrogance of us humans sometimes? As if he exists just to meet our needs. He met the greatest need, which is spiritual, eternal. Let's focus on him, on the eternal life. Now I share to you a piece of poetry entitled, Food for Eternal Life. They followed him beyond the lake. For blessings of bread they did take, plus the fish. With bread left over, they witnessed his divine power. Rabbi, when did you arrive here? 
He replied like prophet and seer. You came not because of the signs. They could not see he is divine. They followed because of the food. Uh, the motive was not truly good. Then Christ spoke of a certain food on eternal life, which is good. Such food we must obtain through him, not on petty things based on our whims. Believe in him, believe in Christ. Not to do so will be unwise. Let us all rise and let us pray. Thank you for your word, O Lord, for reminding us that when we think of you and the Father, it is not about you having the power to bless us with temporal things. Although you do such things, you provide for us and you allow us to pray for our needs and we do so every day. Yet allow that to be not the priority when we remember you. When we remember you, may we remember of the eternal life that you made possible through your sacrifice, through your suffering, death, and your resurrection. And may we thank you every day for the gospel. May we thank you every day for calling us from darkness to light. For, for allowing us to understand it's not by our own merits that the work is actually believing. And by believing, well, the desire to obey follows. Your spirit works in us. Your word works in us. But may we carefully distinguish that the works, the obedience is just the result and not the way. Because the way is believing in Christ Jesus. Be glorified in every life right here. We believe, Lord. We believe in who you are. Teach us to believe every day. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. And God's people say, Amen. Good morning. God bless you.